Today is December 24th. It is Christmas Eve. I hope that you're ready to celebrate Christmas and all that that means. There's a lot of different ways that that takes shape, but I hope that you're ready to celebrate Christmas and all that that means. Uh, If not, I guess I'm going to have to be the one to tell you that you're not going to make it. Uh, It is here. The lights are all up. The tree is up. The presents are all bought. Uh, The turkeys are all thawing. The ham is ready to go. Tamales are ready. Uh, Notice a lot of this has to do with food with my celebration. Uh, We've got some pies ready. My motto is if there's no pie, there's no Christmas. And so we've got some pies ready. Um, The countdown down here on the corner of Sand Road and Bismarck. Uh, my kids have been watching that every time we drive by to see where it's at. This morning when I made the corner, I took and it says, one day till Christmas. Uh, it is here. All the anticipation, all of the, all of the buildup, all of the hype, and here it is. Christmas is here this year. Well, I want to tell you, before we jump into our Christmas celebrations this year, uh, this morning, I want to take this opportunity. I want to tell you, I'm excited about this message, but I want to take this opportunity to fix our eyes this morning on the promise of Christmas. You see, Christmas holds great promise. And so today, before we launch off to eat all these tamales and briskets and pies, I want us to set our eyes on the promise of Christmas. You see, we say, keep Christ in Christmas. I was watching Donald Trump said he saved Christmas. I don't know anything about that, but, but people, we say, keep Christ in Christmas. Uh, people say, and I hear people still saying, we, uh, wise men still seek Jesus. Uh, another saying that we hear this time of the year is Jesus is the reason for the season. I see that all over the place. Jesus is the reason for the season. But, but really, what does all of that mean? What does that really mean anyway? Last week in our verses, last couple weeks, in fact, we have seen that we have our Savior In Jesus Christ, we have our Savior. If you remember last week, we have Emmanuel. In Jesus Christ, we have God with us. We have Emmanuel. But really, what is all of that about? What does all of that mean to us anyway? Well, today, I want to lay it all out. What does it mean to have a Savior? What does it mean to have Emmanuel, God, with us? I want to lay it all out in a message entitled, The Promise of Christmas, the promise of Christmas. And we're going to do it in one single verse. And that verse is this this morning, John chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to ask if you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to look at one verse, the 16th verse, the promise of Christmas. I'm going to ask if you would, if you stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. John chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want to read the verse again. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal eternal life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're rejoicing in Emmanuel, Jesus, our Savior. We're rejoicing in the the event that marks your coming as the Savior for sinful people. 
We come today and we're rejoicing to be able to gather as the church, as your people redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We come and we rejoice to spend these few days with, with family and with friends. We thank you for the blessing of them. But most of all, we're thankful for the fulfilled promise of Christmas delivered by Jesus Christ himself. I pray in this message, Lord, that you would speak to us. I pray that you would lead us, that you would direct us. I pray that you would change us. I pray for some in this room, in this very room, that do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that today, in the hearing of the gospel, they might be saved. Lord, we, we take all of this and we lay it at your feet. And our intent is to glorify you and to lift up the name of our King, Jesus. We love you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I went and I looked back. I have preached uh, on this verse, on John 3.16, several times. I've preached on it uh, at least three times here at Calvary. And it seems each time that I stop and each time that I study and each time that I, that I break it down, I'm more and more astonished each time. It seems like a very simple verse, but the, the more that I take time to look at this verse, I'm more and more amazed. Now, I want to tell you the very... The very first sermon that I ever preached was John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, I had 21 pages of note that Sunday. It was Baptist Men's Sunday. I had no idea what I was doing, and I preached on John 3, 16. I actually thought, well, this is pretty simple. This is a good place to start. We'll start with John 3, 16. Well, now 12 years later, I am so impressed I'm so blown away at its depth that I will tell you, I am almost intimidated to preach it. When I read this verse and I see the depth of it, I am almost intimidated to try it. And let me just tell you this. I, I truly believe it may be the greatest verse in all of Scripture revealing our God, revealing His nature, and revealing his plan through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thought about that the last two weeks. I can't think of any other verse in scripture that in all encompassing way shows us our God, his nature, the love of God, and his plan through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so simple that we can't help but embrace it. But at the same time, it is so profound that in these days, I do not believe we can truly grasp it. And so today on Christmas Eve 2017, I want to show you, I want to bring to light the promise of Christmas as revealed through John chapter 3 verse 16. Now let's look very carefully at our verse. Here we go. It starts off and it says this, for God, for God. The, the word for in the Greek means Indeed. Now, this is pretty profound already. It, it means to express a cause, or it is the explanation for an action. It is to express a cause. It means indeed. And so understand, the verse is revealing a cause. That's a, that's a deep thing for us to understand. But the verse with just the word for, indeed, it is revealing to us a cause. It says this, for God, for God. Already here in the verse, I want to show us 
two truths. For God, hearing the word God, I want to I lift out, I want to show us today two truths. Now, the first truth that I want us to see just here in the second word is this. Listen to me. There is a God. There is a God. Be sure the whole push to change the meaning of Christmas is to deny there's a God. That's why they endeavor to do that. Be sure the entire push of our culture today and the push of our world today is to to deny and to downplay and to demean this truth. But I want to tell you, friends, the truth is this. There is a God. There is a God. Second truth is this. Salvation comes from God. Oh, that's, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a giant deal. That's a big deal. Salvation comes from God. He institutes it. It is his plan. He secures it through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He offers it to us as sinners in his grace. Salvation comes from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Be sure to understand today salvation is not devised by men. Salvation is not delivered by men. It is not by good works. It's not by any religious practice. Salvation is solely from God. Listen to me. That is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not saved by any religious practice. We're not saved by baptism or anything else. Salvation comes from God. All the while, people want to say something different. They want to downplay that. That's that's considered ignorant or narrow-minded or intolerant. That is the truth. We're saved by God. Verse continues on. For God so, so. This word so is the extent. Now, I'm not sure we can understand the depth of two letters in our English language. So, for God, so. It means in this manner. It means like this. It means expressed as this. For God, so. He, he loved so. And this is the expression of it. Like this. This is the, the fulfillment of it. For God so loved the world. Loved the world. Now the word world, in the Greek it's the word, the root word of cosmos, cosmos, cosmos. It means the created and ordered reality. Now, I want us to be very sure here. It's not talking about the earth itself. It's not talking about the sphere of the earth. It's not talking about the physical world but it is talking about the apex of his created order, humankind. It is is talking about the human race. That's the world. It's talking about people. So the verse says, for God so loved the world. Loved. How awesome is this? Get this today. Hear me. God loved. I don't know if we understand the scope of that. God loves so. This is how he loves. God loves. In fact, the Bible says he is love. The word loved here, the root is agapeo. 
It is what we consider today in our understanding Christian love. It, it is self-sacrificing love. And I want to tell you all the mixed up views of love today. True love is what you would do to, to give yourself for another. It is self-sacrificial this is self-sacrificing love. If you want a definition or an explanation of it, it's defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But, but this word here from the Greek, listen to this. It means, listen, to prize something above other things. Here's the best part. And to be unwilling to abandon it. I don't think I'd ever seen it that way in the last, until the last two weeks. To prize love in this meaning is to prize something above other things and to be unwilling to abandon it. Did you hear that? The world, us as people, humans, God prizes us and he is unwilling to abandon us. You know what he ought to do to a God-rejecting race? You know what he ought to do to a sin-stained race? You know what he ought to do to a self-seeking, self-serving race? You know what he ought to do to a people that have spurned his name, to a people that have brought shame to his name? You know what he ought to do to a people that have rejected him? He ought to abandon us, me. He ought to abandon us. But he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Think about all this. I want, I want to tell you, I, I may be mixed up, but I believe this is the greatest mystery there is. I, I truly believe this is the greatest mystery there is. Oh, oh, the mystery of creation in seven literal days. What a mystery that is. Oh, the mystery of the miracle of the virgin birth. What a, what a mystery that is. Oh, the mystery of the resurrection, physically actually dead and now physically actually alive. Oh, the mystery of that. But I want to tell you the greatest mystery is why he would love a sinner such as I. What a mystery. For God so loved the world. Let me say this. His motivation is love. Did you hear that? His motivation is love. Hear me today. Listen, you might even want to write it down. There's a lot of folks saying a lot of different stuff today, but the, the motivation behind the incarnation, the motivation behind the terrible cross, the motivation behind the gospel of Jesus Christ is the love of God. For God so loves the world. He's motivated by love. That's what the verse tells us. Then it continues on. That he gave his only begotten son. That's the starting process here at Christmas. God the Father freely gave his only begotten son. He's born at Bethlehem. We know the story, but that's the, the starting process here. God the Father freely gave his son. It starts with Christmas, the coming of Jesus, the coming of Jesus in flesh. Here's the truth of the gospel. God gave his son for you. God gave his son for me. God gave his son for sinners. And the world took that son and hated him. And they took that son and they rejected him. 
And they took that son and they counted him of no worth. The Bible says he was not esteemed. They gave him no value. They took the only begotten son of God and they whipped him across his back. They took the only begotten son of God and they, they beat him beyond recognition until he's no longer the form of a man and they butchered him to a Roman cross. Oh, that's love. Folks, that is, that is love. That is self-sacrificial love. He wasn't willing to abandon us. And so he sends his only begotten son. That's love I can't understand. He wasn't willing that we should perish. And so he sends his only begotten son. Oh, that's love. Some of the greatest days of my life are the days they handed me my kids. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Sarah Joe, reddest lips you've ever seen on a baby. My granddad, he's passed on, said, was that lipstick? <laughs> oh, Kelly, named after my dad. My dad cried when we saw the card, Kelly. Bluest eyes you've ever seen. What a precious baby. Oh, William Tobias. Don't know how he did it, but he came out with a smile on his face. Oh, I love those days. I want to be honest with you. I love y'all. And I love my church. And I love some people in my life deeply. But I want to be equally as honest with you. I would not give one of my kids for anybody. I would not do it. Not when it comes down to it. I may talk big, but when it came down to it, I would not. He gave his only begotten son. Well, he's God. It must be different. He gave his only begotten son. Well, they'll take him and they'll make him a king. No, they'll butcher him to a cross. He gave his only begotten son. I wouldn't have done it. And let me talk about that son. Let me talk about the son. And it's important today in 2017. Let me talk about the son. You see, it is all about the Son, Jesus. It all hinges on the Son, Jesus. It all comes down, it all boils down to the Son, Jesus. Be sure today, it's not faith in anyone, it's faith in Jesus. Be sure today, it's not faith in anything, that's what they're saying, it's faith in Jesus. And so when people today are okay to say, well, as long as they believe in something, when people are okay to say, well, we're all just on paths headed to the same place. When people come along and they want to say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, they're denying the truth of the Son. Be clear, we're saved alone through the Son. He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life, and His name is Jesus. And that's why we celebrate His birth. Well, we could be celebrating a whole lot of things. Isn't that what the TV says? Well, what about this? What about, what about Kwanzaa? What about that? 
What about the festival of light, Hanukkah? There's someone that want to bring that back into the, the Christian church today. There's a bunch of churches celebrating Hanukkah today. Listen to me, that pointed to Jesus, but that's gone. We don't celebrate the festival of light. We celebrate the light, and his name is Jesus. It's all about the sun, Jesus. Continuing on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, that. God did that, and there's a transition. God did that so that this. Here is the effect. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He did that so that this might happen. This is the effect. Then it says, whoever, that whoever, the Greek word here is pos. It's not hard. It means all. One of the deep definitions says it means all in the sense of every. Every. It means all. It means every. Whoever. Listen to that. Whoever, not just the Jew, but also the Gentile. Not just the rich, but also the poor. Not just one class of people, but all classes of people. Not just one people, but all people. Whoever, every, all, whoever. That's what the Bible says. I'm gonna just tell you something. I get excited about the word whoever. King James Version says whosoever. I wanna tell you, I get excited about whoever. You wanna know why? Because now it includes me. It opens it up to me. I want to tell you the truth. You see, I know people. You know them too. And I'm pretty sure if somebody else were making the list, they'd find some reason to keep me off. True story. If somebody, well, he's too heavy. Well, he's, he didn't grow up here. Well, I don't like this about him. If somebody else were making the list, they'd find some reason to, to keep me off. And I want to tell you, they'd find some reason to keep you off. But God says this, pass all, every, whoever, everybody. He opens it up to the people that he loves. Pretty awesome. That whoever believes in him. See, the key to all this is faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's how we're saved. Whoever, whoever believes in him, we're saved when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're saved when we receive Jesus Christ by, by faith. When a, when a sinner sees the glory of God and sees the holiness of God, when a sinner sees and understands their own sin and understands I'm condemned in my sin, I'm ruined in my sin, I'm crushed in my sin, and when a sinner who sees God and who sees her sin then sees Jesus as the promised Messiah, the remedy for sin, and then embracing him and receiving them by faith, the Bible says that person is saved. Let me tell you something right here. That's why we preach the gospel. 
That's why we teach the gospel. That's why we stand upon the gospel. That's why we can't compromise the gospel. Well, everybody else says it's okay. Well, it's, it's watered down just a little bit. Well, it's a little bit different. Listen to me. It is the gospel that is the power of God and the salvation. People are saved when they receive Jesus Christ. And it's nothing short of that. And it's nothing in addition to that. And that's why we embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse continues. It says, shall not perish. Those who believe shall not. It is a tense here, a verb tense, that means they will not. They shall not. It is a done deal. It is a completed transaction. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, it is finished. You will not. You shall not. You do not have to keep revisiting this. If you truly believe in Jesus Christ, if you have a, a saving faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says this, you shall not. It's a settled transaction. Then it says this, perish. Word that I've seen, it seems like the course of this year, sometimes you're, you're studying the Bible and a word keeps coming up or a, a theme keeps coming up. This is a word that keeps coming up to me this whole year. Perish means destroy. It means to be lost. Here's the part that keeps coming up. It means ruined. Ruined. Not fit any longer is what it literally means. Without Christ, that's you. Without Christ, that's me. That's us. Without Christ, we're ruined. In our sin, we're ruined. We're no longer fit. We're ruined. Perish. It says, but have. Now, that word have here, it means to possess. Again, it's a settled fact. It means to have. But have eternal life. But have eternal life. Now, that means a whole lot of things. That's a deep understanding for what it means for a Christian to have eternal life. But basically, it means this. Let me try to make it simple. It means the penalty of death is paid through Jesus Christ. It wasn't erased. It was paid by Jesus Christ. The penalty of death has been paid. And for us, that penalty then is lifted off by faith in Jesus Christ. We then have a restored relationship with God. We've become the righteousness, not of ourselves, but of Jesus. We're forgiven of our sins and we have eternal life. Do you understand? That's what happens when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You were dead, but now you're alive. You were dirty, you were filthy, you're stained, but now you're cleansed. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. You were gonna spend eternity separated from God in the reality of hell, but now we have eternal life. Woo, praise God. Now listen to this again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have 
eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, that is the love of God. Friends, that is the truth of salvation. Friends, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the promise of Christmas. That is the hope of Easter. That is the fate of believers. All in one verse. We may never get through Luke if we keep going this pace. The promise of Christmas. Christmas 2017, here's a question. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I'm thankful for the hope of Easter. I'm thankful for the promise of Christmas. I'm thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that we have a Savior. I'm thankful that as sorry as I am, as ruined as I am in my sin, that you weren't willing to abandon me. You should have. But you come you're born, you're not esteemed, you're counted as stricken, you become a suffering servant. You come and you live a life of no sin, tempted in every way as we are, but you do not sin. You come, you're falsely accused, you're jerked up and you're beaten, you're nailed to a cross, your blood runs out, you die. You're put in a grave. Three days later, you come out of the grave, alive, risen, resurrected. You stand as the risen, reigning King, our Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for some that haven't put their faith, haven't pinned their hopes on you. I pray that in the hearing of this message, in the, in the hope of, of Christmas, today might be the day of their salvation. I pray for us here as believers. Lord, first off, forgive us. Forgive us for being distracted. Forgive us for becoming apathetic. But I, I pray as we leave this service, as we march off into a celebration that really has been crafted by the world, that we would not forget the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that would be our celebration. Lord, help us keep that in our eyesight. We come today, and I'm thankful for your word. I pray that you've spoken, that you continue to speak. I pray, Lord, that you're glorified in this type of response. And as an act of worship, I lay it all before you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.